0: Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavanaugh here on TRSI. I'm here to say my friend and colleague Michael Dwyer. Today is Sunday, the 8th of the 8th. We must apologise for not being with you on Friday. We had a delightful show all about the Zafone affair when there were technical issues, and we won't say who those technical issues originated from, Michael.
1: Are you saying Bill Gates was personally responsible?
0: No, I'm saying of the two of us, it was the person who once didn't know what a space bear was.
1: I'm still not going to say that Bill Gates was responsible. I don't know how much you care, you prof- you care to provoke me.
0: So, before we go into the actual proper news, which is almost all about Sapone, because that thing is... Desperately spiralling out of control still. Long-time listeners of the show will have heard me complain about the Irish Examiner at length, on many grounds. But one thing we bring up a fair bit is that, about two years ago at this point, when we brought some students over to America, the Irish Examiner wrote a, I believe an editorial, comparing the students who had gone to a conservative conference in America to mass shooters saying that they had an ideology motivated by hate. And that was the similarity at the time, I thought it was an outrageous comparison, however, I have recently started looking into the Irish examiner's editorials and I've got to say, Michael, the Irish examiner is not good at making comparisons, so we have we have we have two of them actually. these are the Irish examiner's views, the editorial of the paper, and one is about people who are refusing to get vaccinated, and one is about the murder of Nadine Lot. Now the Nadine the Nadine Lot one is just very odd. In that it starts talking about the um, the gang rape of a woman on a bus in Delhi in two thousand and twelve, and talking about how the the guard in the Nadine Lot trial said he'd never seen such a level of violence inflicted on a person in his forty year career, and they use that to explain why we need to better ed- educate our children about the mechanics of relationships.
1: Yeah. It- the, 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 the murder of this woman, which was absolutely savage from what we understand from the reporting of it, and it was all about the, a failure of the mechanics of relationships and the understanding. I, this is the stuff that children aren't being taught, Gary. They're not being taught early enough, the mechanics of relationships, that they understand that you shouldn't savagely beat people to death.
0: Nadine lot was, according to her trial left, totally unrecognisable, suffered traumatic head, neck and chest injuries after she was beaten with hands, uh, fists, feet, and uh, they couldn't rule out the use of a blunt weapon. And the Irish examiner looked at that and went, God, that's terrible. If only someone had told him he couldn't do that.
1: Taught him about, the again, this wonderful phrase, the mechanics of relationships. I'm not exactly sure what that means. But it does give the sense that there's it's like if they'd gone to maybe some kind of a course where they had explained you know, how relationships work, all of this could have been avoided rather than an evil, vicious, violent, psychopathic man decided in a fit of rage or pique or whatever, mm-hmm. to utterly destroy another human being. It's it's such a petty fogging thing to say about such a horrible thing the mechanics of relationships like it's it's somehow that they have they've they, as this is i suppose the point with a lot of these things is they've a vague notion of where, what they want to say about something they want to make a comment which is something about teaching and education and they have to jump the river to get there but they don't really care they're going to get there anyway and even if it is over a particularly horrible crime like this, that they don't, you know, using that as a leverage point or a jumping off point to get to this point, which I'm sure they felt was an important one and that they felt that they have made. I, I'm frankly not quite sure what, what, practically speaking, the point is. Except we know what it sounds like, we, we know that we recognize the music and the tune. The lyrics are a little bit unclear, and the details of what the mechanics of relationship is, and wh- and how we should be teaching this, and how any of this would stop somebody like this doing something like this. But we... It doesn't matter. We, we can go away humming the tune.
0: It's a level of naivety that I just can't get up to. But it, it does have this sort of, you know, we're all blank slates. We're all just shaped by the state. And clearly the problem here is that no one ever told him he couldn't do this when he was a child, because if they had, he wouldn't have done it. Where I would work on the general basis that the majority of people willing to beat their significant other into something that is vaguely humanoid but totally unrecognizable as a particular person probably aren't going to be stopped.
1: You think that having done five or six classes in sixth year or maybe even more classes in transition year on how to do this how to how to manage your relationships with with people would not have necessarily stopped this crime occurring. You say naive, I don't think it's naive. It, I think it's just it, it, there's there's an arrogant st- stupidity to it, but most of all it's that horrible, relentless, baseless optimism of the progressive liberal. Kant said and I'm not I'm not always the biggest fan to Kant, but you know it's a good quote nothing straight will be made from the crooked timber of man and they refuse to accept the fact that they're just going to be bad people you can't educate them out of it
0: it's also very stupid it's just not a smart thing to say it's the sort of thing but that was that was one of the just the irish times editor or the irish examiner editorials that uh, i came across Why both I and Michael keep referring it to the Irish Times is the Irish Examiner is owned by the Irish Times. The joke, well, joke, comment, was that when the Examiner was going bankrupt, the Times bought it because the Irish Times prints a lot of newspapers and needed the uh, patronage of the Irish Examiner to keep its printing presses viable. I thought that was more a fact than a joke, but... It's, It's one of those curious Irish facts where it's close enough to a fact that you can say it, but also not verifiable enough that you're sure you won't be sued. <laughs> okay. So it's a joke.
1: It's a joke. It's a funny joke.
0: So yeah, I, I started going through some of the Irish Examiner editorials, but the one, I, the one I wanted to talk about in relation to comparison to things is the Irish Examiner view hard decisions ahead on vaccine refusenics. Now, I'm going to preface our conversation about this by pointing out that, at present, 89% of the adult population in Ireland has had at least one dose of the vaccine. 89%. So it's it's about, you know, people deciding not to get vaccinated and what must be done about that, Michael. And it's, you know, the subheading is legislation weakens our strongest response to the pandemic. Ongoing community solidarity which is again a lovely sentence and then you read the first sentence which is about the afghan war yeah <laughs> yes and then they get to the to the second paragraph and they're talking about the killing fields
1: yeah <laughs> now,
0: the killing fields they're referencing a particular movie which is set in cambodia during the khmer rouge period or the khmer rouge Difficulties, as I'm sure Cambodians would call them.
1: Well, oh, Nam Chomsky no, Choms came out. Nam Chomsky came out,
0: yes. How would you describe the killing fields, Michael? Well, the first
1: thing I described them as being not in Afghanistan. But secondly, it was proportionately, usually it's described as the world's greatest genocide. And our, Oddly, an auto genocide, around a quarter of the total population of Cambodia, Kampuchea, was killed by the Khmer Rouge, led by Pol Pot, in this very weird Marxist, return-to-nature, Rousseauian, anti-intellectual, anti-Western ideology. And this happened over the space of only a few years. Over it's believed anyway over 2 million uh Cambodians were murdered by their own government because even though the numbers are not the same as say the numbers of Stalin or Mao or Hitler but because of the size of the population is regarded as sort of one of the 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 proportionally the, the greatest genocide in history but uh, now uh, it's horrific it, it destroyed it goes continues to be this terrible i mean uh, Half-spoken, half-silent monster living in the the memory and the lives of the people of Cambodia today. I don't quite get the connection between that and fairly low levels of what you might describe as vaccine hesitancy in Ireland.
0: The actual link inside the article, and Michael, I think you'll like this link. Mm. Some media organisations have reached out to Downing Street to ask them to expand uh, refugee visa offers for people who've worked for those media entities in Afghanistan. Because they're saying as the Taliban are, are coming forward, there's a risk to those people because they've worked with Western groups. Now, The Killing Fields, the movie, is um, based on the experiences of two journalists. So it's less about the genocide and more that it could have packed on journalists.
1: Yeah. It is true that if you start to actually pick apart what seems to be the internal logic of what they're saying, it is grossly offensive.
0: <laughs> Journalists may be inconvenienced or possibly even hurt. Isn't that like the Cambodian genocide? No, not really. Yeah,
1: it's like you know, the, the headlines in the, described in the described in in the Irish press during the Second World War when just. You know, Declared Ireland in state of emergency was very much of the tone. This is similar kind of thing. You know, sort of Europe at war, Asia at war, Africa at war. Ireland gravely inconvenienced. Journalists are they, you know, war in Afghanistan, genocide in Cambodia. Journalists gravely inconvenienced. I can see that, not to be, not so flip. I can see that journal that news organizations that had been using people in Afghanistan might feel that they had some kind of uh, moral responsibility to those people that had helped them and given them succor in Afghanistan and had therefore put themselves in considerable risk should the Taliban return to power and the Taliban are returning to power. And therefore they would want to try and use their influence to get these people out. There can't be that many of them.
0: So, so, the actual link between this and vaccine hesitancy in Ireland, and again, Michael, 89% of the population.
1: And 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 Gary, about that 89%, remember that an adult, we're talking about it, people 18 and over, that 89% will go up because we have only fairly recently started to give people at the age of 18 and over the opportunity to be vaccinated. So... There are going to be more and more... Vaccine hesitancy in, in, in Ireland is gen- is not a real big issue.
0: No, it's not. it does not appear to exist in substantial numbers. Why they bring these things up? Because they say the follow from America's realisation, just like the one forced on any imperial force that invaded Afghanistan, has relevance in Ireland today. They don't explain what that relevance is, but I think what they're saying is that if you invade a country and put its people under, you know, effectively military law, and then you leave, well, the insurgents are going to come back and take it over. And that's relative to our vaccine uh, rollout, somehow. It's actually, again, if you think about what they're actually saying, the example they're picking, it's both stupid and horrendously offensive, and also reflects poorly on the Irish state.
1: Well, I've read this article two or three times at this stage this morning, and I Gary, I genuinely I see this word relevant uh, this concept relevancy to you know, the Irish the afghan invasion by the United States you know, the failure of the Russians, the failure of the Soviets failure of the Brits the Russians failed in Tsarist times i, I, I fairly I think that the Russians did have a go at invading Afghanistan, in the north of Afghanistan back in the time Baluchistan I I genuinely can't get the relevant... I, I mean, I've tried to construct it, but I'm, I don't get the, the connectivity. What's the imperial bit? I mean, what has that got to do with vaccine-relevant hesitancy in Ireland?
0: Listen, Michael, the Irish Examiner had a point they wanted to make, and they wanted to discuss these things, and the fact that they don't really link together at all, and frankly, it's a nonsensical article, and even when you read the main body of it where it's actually talking about... Vaccinations? Most of it. It's like someone wrote an article, split the paragraphs, numbered them, and then randomly resorted them. You can read a paragraph and then it just doesn't link to the paragraph. The end paragraph is the only one that actually explains anything. Because it says, after all, if a person must show a vaccine passport to visit a pizza restaurant, consistency demands similar disciplines in every communal setting. And earlier they're talking about people meeting in front of schools and how um employers, schools and concerned co-workers will want the opportunity to verify a person's vaccination status. The fact that there's legislation that won't allow that to happen weakens our strongest response to the pandemic, ongoing community solidarity. Because Michael, you might have read the subheading of legislation weakens our strongest response to the pandemic, ongoing community solidarity, and read that as a sort of, well, we shouldn't legislate, we should you know, instead focus on building community solidarity and do it that way because legislation is a blunt instrument and also it will backfire because people will become resentful. But no, it actually means that legislation shouldn't stop us from being able to force people to tell us if they've been vaccinated. Uh. That's what I think anyway. Like, it doesn't ever actually say that. Actually, it reminds me of the episode we did where we just repeatedly used the I Ching to determine what talk <laughs> <was happening. laughs> about. Yes. That was frankly, great, I think there was a better flow to that episode than there is to this fucking piece, but i i do i I'll put a link to this at the bottom of it, and I do recommend you go through the archives of the Irish Examiner editorials because they are lunacy. There's some great stuff in there. there are parts of it that are original, and there are parts of it that are good.
1: <laughs> I know
0: but the original parts aren't good, and the good parts aren't original.
1: Ba-boom. <laughs>
0: It doesn't matter what topic they're talking about. They'll fuck it up somehow. They just they just make some wild claim.
1: Yeah, there there are times also when they are achingly woke.
0: I did like this one. They're talking about um, the Zappone thing and you go, they ask whether you regard the Zappone knee-ups or the latest two fingers from Dan- Danny Healy Ray as the greater affront as immaterial. I have not talked to anyone. Including Finnegale TDs, who thought the Danny Healy Ray thing was in any way on the same level. And the first immediate thing that comes to mind is, Danny Healy Ray isn't in cabinet. And Danny (laughs) Healy Ray has, by and large, not supported these uh, restrictions. So you sort of look at it and go, well, that person who said he didn't want to do these things, or doesn't believe these things should be there stopping him from doing these things, is doing things. As opposed to, there is the Thonishta at this party.
1: The Tanisha and others, who spend most of their time standing behind pulpits or ambos, looking into the cameras and wagging their fingers at us and admonishing us that we must be good children and behave ourselves and wash our hands.
0: Also, six days after Danny Healy Ray's thing, he wasn't appointed to a government <laughs> railway any competition. We're talking
1: about your, you're saying about the the trying to. Draw comparisons between the Healy Ray thing and the, uh, and the Marian affair. I mean, a, a little bit of comment about the position that has been taken by the bishops. Bishop Archbishop of Dublin, I think, took maybe a little bit of the surprise of some people, has come out and basically said that he's going to leave it up to the individual parishes that they can make their own decisions, that parents. Understand and care more about the safety of their children than anybody else, doesn't? I think that's not a bad or unreasonable point, and therefore they will behave uh, themselves and manage uh, the situation to protect themselves and protect their children as best they can. But he himself would prefer to see the thing postponed till September. And people, have, some commenters said, well, you know, the you know, church is getting very up, getting up on its high horse here, and you know self righteousness and all this." Well, you know. For the first time in a long time, Gary, I actually think the bishops are on a winner here.
0: The bishops, for all the pushback they're now getting, particularly from the government, although that's kind of quietened down since the Zapone thing, because the idea of uh, breaking regulations rather than laws is now a very important point for this government. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The bishops and the churches have been trying to talk to the government for well over a year at this point. Yes, and the government has basically just led them on. There has been a noted difference between the things I've been told the government are saying in private and the public outcomes of those meetings. And for the people who are sort of saying, "Well, why aren't the bishops willing to just kind of deal with the government on this?" I think the general working line is that the bishops have been incredibly, incredibly willing to work with the government, while the government repeatedly lies to it.
1: And there is no sense. I have been told that, at least in certain sections of the hierarchy, there is a belief that they have not been dealt with in good faith.
0: Oh, the, the government. And you can see it in the Restaurants Association of Art. Varadkar comes out, and then the fucking Attorney General comes out and says that you can have these meetings with 200 people. And the Restaurants Association says, we didn't know that. The hoteliers say they didn't know that, apart from the Marion, which is now apparently our country's first port of call for constitutional legal advice. And then the Attorney General. But don't remember,
1: not the receptionist asked for the General Manager.
0: And the reason they didn't know it is because, well, in one case, Folcha Ireland, which is a government body, put together regulations and advice on what you could do in conjunction with the other departments, which they would have all had an input into, and then told these people that they couldn't do these things. Until it was beneficial for the government to point out actually there are laws and there are regulation there are four levels michael it turns out of um of covid advice
1: you know i think that is an explanation that could well have done without being made having been made i don't think he covered him he did not cover himself with glory with that one what
0: was it leo said he said there are government regulations government advice nephid advice sectoral guidelines those are the four levels of rules that have apparently existed this entire time except the government has never mentioned them before
1: it reminds me back in the day it's the kind of thing you find in medieval philosophy you have four levels six levels seven circles you know everything is graded and trying to work out what 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 fell into what into what basket was always going to be tricky i i do not know why it was necessary or a good idea for him, because it just sounds like a gum doing it. It sounds like patently obvious self-serving exercise of post-factum justification. It, nobody's sitting there thinking, "Oh well, right, yeah, I get that now." So the Marian thing, yeah, that, I, that's fair enough. Yeah, okay, that's okay.
0: Because you see, the problem I think with this is that we've talked before michael about the fact the government is actively trying to mislead people as to what the actual regulations are and happily conflating what their advice is and what the regulations are so the people i don't think people legitimately know what the rules are and how could they leo said there have been what 31 or 35 different variants of covid regulations since this started leo himself didn't seem to know what the regulations were he had to ask the hotel but you, you you look at, and I know the COVID-19 observatory in Trinity has talked about this as well. That The government is actively misleading people, and that's not any sort of conspiracy theory or slight. We know they're misleading people because what they say in public versus what they say when a legal case like Declan Ganley's legal case is brought against them, are not the same thing.
1: That was the most illuminating thing for me, because I had been going under the assumption that because you should never explain with malice what you can otherwise explain with stupidity and competence, that they just, a lot of the time, genuinely didn't know themselves that this was badly drafted or quick, excessively quickly drafted regulation or, or, or legislation, and they weren't 100% sure which, how far it went or what the conditions might be. But the point made uh, by the observatory, not in their last report, but the previous, I think their first observations on this was that in cases where there had been doubt or ambiguity, that doubt and ambiguity disappeared when in a court they were asked to express the, their opinion of what the, the, what the status of the law in a particular area was. And they could give it with clarity and with confidence which seemed to imply that they actually did know what the situation was, but they had been loath to express that publicly, that they were actually happy. It was rather not that they were happy, but it was actually policy for, their, for this ambiguity to, to persist in the public.
0: I think that was a deliberate choice, done partially, so that certain restrictions, which may have been constitutionally problematic, couldn't be challenged. Because if you're to challenge them, you get to the court, You'd waste God knows how much money getting there. And then they'd simply say, well, that's not actually the regulation. That's merely government advice. Yeah, And that's all. that. The problem, I think, there is that they did it so consistently that at a certain point, a sin of omission just becomes a lie. And it becomes the government is actively lying to people. And we have done it so far, sorry, so long, and in so broad a scope, I think it's now fair to say the government is just lying to people and then you see something like this where they have a benefit to actually go do a little bit of a mott and bailey and go well actually no we didn't break the law we just breached a regulation and I think the problem they have is that kind of just shows to people members of the general public a sort of hold on a second what what's the difference here and how long have you known there was a difference here particularly the falch Ireland thing so these guys come out and say, oh, well, you know, what we did was perfectly within within regulations. It was perfectly fine. And I'd like to imagine the camera just slowly cutting to Adrian Cummins, the CEO of the Restaurants Association, going, that's not our understanding of it.
1: And the response of, do you think we're stupid? Do you think we're thick? Do you think that if we had, if this was actually the case, that we wouldn't have known it and we would not have been
0: organizing events for 200 people. And then they have to sort of go, well, you know, they, the restaurant association, the hoteliers, they were wrong. The problem there is that I've, I've read the law, which is now being said clearly allows these things. And, Michael, a, a barrister of a particular type could make the argument that these things are allowed under the law. But to say it is clear and unambiguous that these things are allowed under the law, I think is total fucking nonsense. It is written horrendously and that's been a consistent thing over this period the laws that have been drafted have just been technically shit just badly done and so to then turn around and be like well it was clear and unambiguous that we you know we weren't breaching the law no it wasn't no reasonable person would have looked at that particularly if they had department sources telling them that it meant a particular thing and went actually we can have 200 people at a party
1: it was clear and unambiguous that the laws were unclear and ambiguous And that has been the constant theme.
0: And then we have Leo coming out and saying, I probably let my guard down. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know what that means. You wrote the fucking laws. How do you let your guard down in going to a garden party?
1: I'm confident. The first thing he said was, I am confident that we didn't breach the regulations. Then we had, I may have let my guard down. Then there was a third variant on this.
0: I want to be clear. It was not in breach of the law and probably wasn't in breach of the guidelines.
1: And probably wasn't. That's so reassuring, isn't
0: it? And then then he said, oh, they weren't clear. And, you know, there have been so many variants. (laughs) Whose fault is that, Leo? Who did it? Someone who has been fined or found guilty of breaching these regulations is going to go to court. And as a defense is just going to say they weren't clear. And they weren't reasonable and no one could have known what I did it was illegal. And here is the tarnished of the country saying that.
1: Here is the man who was one of the principal architects of, of these laws and regulations and he's admitted. And surely it's a principle of justice that the citizen must be in a position to understand without having to go to get legal advice whether or not he's breaking the law. And in this case, it's not, then these, these, these laws should not stand. They are unclear. They are, they are unjust and pro, and will provoke injustice because people will be led into, in good faith, believing that they're behaving in a legal fashion and they may turn out that they're not. I, how confident are you, Gary, that the, that the guards out there know what laws they're enforcing? What they're they're uh, and the regulations?
0: The problem that we've had here is that the guards themselves have been enforcing things that were not actually illegal; that there were not statutory limitations upon.
1: I also suspect that there is a shall we say a diversity of the application of the perceived law or the perceived regulation throughout the country there are some guards who may be taking what they perceive to be the letter of the law and enforcing it i suspect there are large numbers of guardie out there who are saying i think we'll let
0: that go now i will make the point here that if the guards are being used in this way it's not the guards fault they'll do what they're told to do and the guards i have talked to about this I've not been enjoying it.
1: I'd say they're right. They're pissed off by it. And I'd say that you could maybe, and this is just based on the conversation I had with a couple of guys, and it's not scientific, but that there has been possibly a graph in the last little while where, shall we say, enforcement has become less rigorous, less penny-pinching.
0: I do like, Michael, that the response of... The government and of Catherine's opponent, you know, as the voice of the government, Michael, as she was at that time, she hadn't resigned her post yet. The government's special envoy for freedom of speech and freedom of expression, when asked about this, directed people to the Marion Hotel.
1: I said before, I said the last episode, we should, everything now must go through the Marion Hotel. The Marion Hotel has now become the. It's, it's a Sibylline oracle. If you have a question, you go to the Marion Hotel. You want to know about the rules, the regulations, the laws of hospitality of COVID, you ring up the Marion.
0: But imagine, the government pays over 5 million euro a year to media advisors. And not a penny, Gary, not a penny to me! With that kind of money behind it, and realising this is becoming a political issue, again in silly season, so no one has anything else to talk about, and the best they can come up with is ask the hotel
1: half the political journalists in the country are now working for this government
0: and this is the best
1: they can do. you know really I, no I will, I will go back to I will go back to another uh, uh, something I said before I will uh, make it clear to me, as well leaving aside obviously the serious moral questions about leaders behaving in a way that it undermines the confidence that people have in the government and the rule of law and the risks that might have been taken regarding the spread of COVID and all that. What does it tell us about the political antennae of the people at, who, who were at this? We have seen comments in the last little while about, you know, certain things have shown that Finnegade have been in power too long, that they really needed a little bit of time in opposition because they've just gotten mad. When somebody said, when Catherine said to herself, I think I'll have a bit of a party. I'll, I'll invite some friends around. We'll take over the rooftop of the Marion, and we'll have 50 or 60 people around. Won't that be great? Was there nobody that was there to say, do you know what? In the time that we're in, maybe it's not the best look. When I was a, a young person many moons ago, we had a, f- a saying, if you saw somebody out in the pub or in the disco, who just looked a state because of the clothes they were wearing or the combos or their hair or the, the you, somebody somebody's like jesus have they no friends have they they would turn around and say ah, no john no 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 don't go out looking like that for christ's sake change would you it's like you know you've said these people are paying 5 million a year for media uh, media management and press and whatever it's, but they are really like the people who have no friends? Was there no person? Do you remember in the golf gate that it came out Enda Kenny had been invited, turned up, looked at the situation, got back in his car and went home? Now to me never had a whole lot of time for Enda but I thought to myself, that's a man who still has his political antennae. He looked and said this has the potential for a serious shit show. I'm not staying around. Who thought this was a good idea? I'm not saying, even if you believed it was within the regulations, politically, did that matter that it was within the regulations?
0: At a time when pregnant women can still not have their partners in hospitals, you've had so many people who had limitations placed upon weddings, upon funerals, who haven't been able to go to see people who are elderly, who are sick. All of those things. But they were continuing to say
1: no to confirmations, no to communions.
0: Yes, and coming out and talking about how these were going to be a dire threat to public health, even though they were not illegal. They were against guidelines. For you to then think a garden party for a former minister in the Marian, which is a particular image, is something that I need attached to myself. And there are so many people there because the party, it's almost certainly going to leak at some point. And no one thought... Whatever about it being illegal, whatever about even the guidelines, purely the optics of this, of you at a five star hotel having a wonderful time, may piss people off.
1: When somebody rang up Leo and said, Listen, um, we're having this do, would you like to come round? There was nobody in the department, there was nobody in the service, he had no mate that said, Leo, or somebody who had any kind of antennae about the world would have said, Do you know, we'll wait.
0: I think the problem there is that there were there were several people from the department, from what I hear. Unfortunately, they were at the party.
1: <laughs> yes, they were at the party.
0: <laughs> I think in in general, I will say this, the timing of this leak is very interesting. So the Zappone thing starts and then the focus of the newspaper switches to who leaked that information. Because it, as we talked about in one of the previous shows, yes. that is to, to leak from cabinet is a serious thing. But to leak from cabinet and identify what other people were doing is an altogether more serious thing, because the cabinet has collective responsibility and it has constitutional responsibilities. And for a cabinet minister to leak those things, I think pretty unambiguously means he sh- they should be sacked. And it should be considered a very, very serious matter. And someone did that. That person had not been named publicly. But as we said before, the information the Independent gave out said that if, you know, Finnegale thought, not that we think, that it was one of two people, basically, based on what the Independent gave out. That being either Pascal Donohue or Simon Harris.
1: Well, that's what people believe. Ultimately, I, I don't know if, whether or not that belief is founded. In fact, is a long way from being proven. But we know
0: that somebody at cabinet did it, and we and
1: we're but we're not talking about that
0: anymore. No. So this 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 comes out. And it diverts everyone's attention to it, because there's so many people, and involves the Marion, and the optics are so bad. But it came out at an incredibly beneficial time to the original leaker. Now, we can't say those two things are connected. It may be that they are connected. It may be that a friend leaked it in order to take pressure off someone else.
1: Maybe may be a happy accident.
0: It may be a happy accident, yes. But I do think it is important to remember that despite all of this and all the regulations and what the public thinks is most important... I think the most important thing is a minister leaking from cabinet and detailing what people said and the individual positions of people, thereby directly undermining the collective responsibility of the cabinet, which is the cabinet has a requirement to speak as one voice because they are the government. And you need to have an ability to talk freely in cabinet without fear that someone is going to say exactly what you said and that this position that you're defending publicly is one you don't support at the cabinet table. Whoever
1: did, whoever did leak it, the thing that struck me about it, and it's only my own personal senses, it was a rather adolescent leak. If it, What I mean is, this wasn't a leak which was based on a discussion where there was a deep divide in the cabinet over an, an issue of fundamental principle, something involving a deep-felt Deeply felt morality, uh, something uh, of real importance. This was gossip. This is basically was just shit stirring, and it was somebody who doesn't really. Therefore, I think somebody who doesn't really understand what it, what cabinet confidentiality and cabinet government means. There's a there's a shallowness to this leak.
0: There is, but I, I think important on that is it appears to have been done purely to damage a potential leadership or rival for the leadership role of Finnegale.
1: Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, I accept that. But I I, I I, can say that that's, that makes it a a shallow and rather adolescent thing to do. I think if you look at cabinet leaks here and, of, oh, no, obviously, cabinets leak here and in, in the UK where cabinets leak, but the, 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 they tend to leak in a, in a particular kind of way. It's, this is a peculiarly... But it's personal, and it's detailed, and it's commentary, and I don't know. It seems to me that there's a, the, this is not somebody who has any great respect for the institution or the nature. The institution of the cabinet or, 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 shall we say, even of, of the parliament. It's um...
0: I, I have not been a great admirer of this government. I haven't thought terribly highly of them. But this is sort of, this is, the fact that the cabinet don't seem to think this is a serious issue lessens them immensely and the fact that Leo Varadkar is not going to remove this minister who whether or not they are correct they believe they know who this was and cabinet ministers ultimately well Leo technically on a technical point it's Martin who would have to get rid of them but the fact that they won't do that the fact Leo won't do that yes there is a complicating factor in that he is himself under investigation for leaking a document. but I would say they are entirely separate in their in what they actually are so he won't do it and Martin is allowing it to happen and we have someone who's leaking to damage a potential rival in a way that also undermines Finnegale and introduces instability into the government and it's just apparently the response from Leo when this was brought to him was well, what can I do he denies it it doesn't fucking matter if he denies it this isn't a criminal trial
1: well to quote the great expert on all matters constitutional and governmental and de- parliamentary democracies. Yes, Minister. If you're serious about it, you bring in the guards and you have an investigation. That's what you do, if that's what you care, if you actually care about it. But, but Gary, isn't it, it has not been your experience. I have found talking to people in the Oireachtas that there's no sense, I have that I've come across, that anybody's particularly exercised about the fact that there was a leak from Cabinet. Nobody's really bad. Yeah, it's so bad. There's no sense of this must be found. We have to at least pretend to care about this. It's just shrugged off. It's not a big deal.
0: No, and, and again, I'd say the difference here is that there's a difference between a leak from Kavanaugh of documents or of a decision yeah. versus the individual position of ministers within that decision. That, I think, is far more serious. Neither should happen. But the latter is what we have here. This wasn't a document. This was these people are saying these things in cabinet. And that is pretty directly an attack on you know the constitutional order, Michael. But we don't treat things like that seriously. Apparently, Fine Gael doesn't treat things like that seriously, which is a bit odd considering the whole law and order thing.
1: Yeah, but Gary, remember, it's lots of order, fuck all law.
0: The only thing I, I will say about this is it seems an incredibly stupid leak whatever about petty and small and all of those things are true, the person who was meant to have leaked this was understood to have been the forerunner in any election contest that would have taken place in Finnegale. This would only seem to hurt him because a lot of the Finnegalers I've talked to are not fucking happy about this. And they're not happy about Leo doing nothing and they're not, to be fair, kind of happy with the leadership at all at the minute. But this just seems like... But then again, I mean... Who gives a shit what the membership think? It's about what the parliamentary party thinks.
1: The parliamentary party and is ultimately where this will happen. And the decision they will make will be based on not who leaked where or what. It'll be on who is the person most likely to ensure that I keep my job.
0: This is just vaguely pathetic. Both in the fact it happened, and sometimes things happen you can't stop them, but to then just go, oh, well, nothing can be done about it, so we're going to do nothing, is just pathetic.
1: It's uh, Sunday, so I so suppose we should let the people away and enjoy their Sunday, having endured, having done their penitential politics for, uh, for this last hour. We shall be back on Wednesday. Uh, who knows what the work, what the week may bring us? So, but until then, I would wish the people a good Sunday and stay well.
0: All the best.